Welcome to the Resilient Rehab Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Effer. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode two. Thank you so much for joining me again. I promise these podcast episodes are gonna get better, they're gonna get cleaner as I start to figure out how these things work, talking to a computer, um, and begin to start to answer your questions. But last episode, we talked a little bit about breathing and why I utilize it as a primary method or principle for how I apply my assessment and my programming. So I want to talk about my other main principle. Now, I do have about six or seven main principles, I should say, but breathing and gait have always been at the top where the other four or five have been added throughout the years. So breathing and gait have really been my foundational principles that have really directed me in terms of, or provided me some context into learning about the body. And so gait is one of the big ones because it's our main way to travel around the world. I mean, our ancestors have been doing it for thousands of years and it's our main way to travel from point A to point B. But what we can do is we can take a look and break down the different phases of gait into different biomechanical sequences or looking at each phase and determining what happens from biomechanical standpoint. And once we distill that information, we can then start to categorize exercises and start to break down assessments into this model of gait where we're matching up certain ranges of motion towards the specific gait cycle. And of course, some of this stuff is theoretical because gait doesn't look like squatting or gait doesn't look like touching your toes or doing a hip flexion. But with each phase, there is different biomechanical requirements. So let's break that down a little bit so I can discuss kind of where I'm coming from and how I utilize it with my clients. And hopefully it helps you start to process some of the anatomy and the movements into more of a sequential and coherent model. So when we got gait, we could break down gait into three different phases. I like to break it down to four, but let's just keep it simple. We got heel strike. That's when our heel hits the ground. Then we have mid stance. So mid stance essentially is the phase where our heel is in between our heel hitting the ground, our toes making contact with the ground, and our foot beginning to pronate. So this is when our shin starts to move from our heel towards our toes. During this phase, this is where internal rotation happens at the hip, at the knee, at the ankle, and at the midfoot. So right around the midfoot, that's when our arch starts to go down towards the ground. But I'm not talking about dumping. Dumping the foot in is when the knee also goes in. Everything starts to travel inwards and the foot starts to turn out, that's a compensation with somebody who doesn't have mid-stance. But just the general principle of pronation is the you have inside heel pressure, you have the arch going into the ground, and you have this equal distribution among the entire foot. So whereas heel strike is just really mostly your heel in contact with the ground where your foot hits the outside part of the heel, and the big toe and the first, or the ball, the big toe, which is the first med head, those make contact with the ground. That's gonna be more of your higher arch. So you got heel strike, 
which is your higher arch, and that promotes external rotation all the way up and down the chain. Then you move into mid stance, which is your second phase. This phase here, again, is more internal rotation based. This is where we start to absorb force. Once our shin starts to move towards our toes and we max out on this ankle flexion, that's when we start moving into the propulsive phase of gait. And that is where we start looking into force production. That's when we start looking into hip extension. And then once our ankle has maxed out on as much ankle flexion as it has, then that's when the heel starts to lift up and we start to move into the toe off phase. And this is when you start looking at people who are producing fast movements and very propulsive, very large force production. This is when our Achilles tendon uses a stretch shortening cycle and the elasticity to propel us forward. This is also contributed by the swing leg. So we've got our heel strike, which is external rotation primarily, but this is where we have the most range of motion. Then we move into mid stance. That's where we our foot, our arch goes down towards the ground. That's more internal rotation. And then we end off with this external rotation again, because as our heel lifts up, our heel's gonna move towards the toe and we're gonna start to point our toes. Think of the top of calf raise and that is when our arch starts to lift up again into this external rotation. So if we reverse engineer it, gait is really just this progression of our center of gravity from our heel towards our toes. And the more forward our center of gravity goes, the more, the more we create stiffness and we create that co-contraction among muscles or among the joints. So on either side of the joint, we get this co-contraction, we get this stiffness and we create more force. So the more center gravity is towards our toes, this is more when our body is stiff. So this is when we start to lose range of motion because it is an effective strategy in order to, again, produce force. If I have too much mobility in this circumstance, then I'm gonna start to, drop my hip or hike my hip or hyperextend my knee or create these energy leaks, which a lot of running textbooks will talk about, these energy leaks, which are just not efficient. This is when we're not able to transfer force really quickly through our body. So we start to compensate in all these different ways. And that's not very effective for producing force. So when we are thinking about this toe-off presentation, this is when somebody has limited range of motion almost everywhere. When you're looking at their squat, they're not able to squat very well, they're not able to touch their toes, they can barely get to their knees in their toe touch. Their hip internal and external rotation are limited. They don't have a lot of hip extension, right? They're, you're probably looking at somebody who has flared ribs or an arch in their lower back or a forward head, something that gets their center of gravity towards their toes. And it may not be the most effective way, it could be a compensatory way. But what we're talking about here is this is somebody who can't move very well or has one strategy to move. So they're getting off the ground quickly. When you're looking at them walk, their feet are dumping in. So these are your stiffest people with the least range of motion. Then when we start to take move the center of gravity back from the toes towards the heel, now we're starting to look at our arch. So let's look at the mid stance phase. Well, in this mid stance phase, this is when you're taking a look at the person's able to squat to around 90 degrees. They have this hip internal rotation. They may have some hip extension. 
Um, their straight leg raise is in the mid ranges. So we actually have okay range of motion, but we still don't have enough range of motion to squat right down to max depth, right? Again, that ass to grass squat, um, or again, the full toe touch, again, the full range of motion. So again, we still need to improve some of this external rotation because likely the pelvis is now more towards the midfoot versus towards the heel, which is, that's kind of your stacked posture with air quotes. Um, we'll talk about it in a different podcast, but why stack probably isn't the best term Um because posture isn't the static representation, but that's for a different podcast episode. But what, what our de- ideal is, is to bring the center of gravity back more towards the heels because then people have full range of motion because they were starting from heel strike moving towards toe off. If I start in mid stance or I start in toe off, it's like I've got an elevator with three floors. I'm starting on the second floor to get to the third floor when I really want to be start starting at the ground level and moving from the ground to the second to the third floor. That way I have all the range of motion and I have all the space to be able to move through that full range, getting the internal rotation, external rotation, being able to absorb force and produce force. So this mid stance, we're looking at these mid ranges. And it's important that when we're thinking about improving mobility, but also training from a fitness standpoint, selecting the right variations are gonna be key. And that's why using a model like gait can be so effective to categorize exercises versus doing something like a progression regression model. And again, that's another whole podcast episode because we can really dive deep into why I don't believe in a regression progression model. Um, but let's uh, let's go back to mid stance. So we've got our toe off, we've got our mid stance. And then once our center of gravity comes back even more, we then are moving into heel strike. And this is when somebody is able to move through the full range of motion. They've got the full dorsiflexion, right? Because again, if I'm starting in mid stance, I may not have that much ankle flexion because I'm already starting in some ankle flexion. And in toe off, I barely have any. So when I'm in heel strike, this is when my center of gravity is in line with my ankle or slightly behind. I'm able to open up my back in between my shoulder blades, which in the breathing podcast, the first episode, we talked about how important it is to open up in between the shoulder blades. And it gives us that full range of motion. So we got this heel strike, which gives us deep squat ability, a lot of hip flexion, 120 degrees plus. Our straight leg raise is close to 70, 80. We're looking at hip internal rotation, external rotation that looking pretty good. Hip extension is also measuring very well. And so now what we can do is if we're in that position, we can start to train throughout the entire range of motion. So our objective is when we're working with somebody, what phase of gait could we categorize them in based on all these assessment measurements? Let's disregard the fact that there could be a rotation in the pelvis and one side is more toe off compared to the other. Let's make it really simple. Um, just for now so that we can then add our layers of complexities. And we talk so much about that in my Evolve Biomechanics Mentorship, all the layers of complexity that we can add on top of it based on what direction the pelvis is facing, if it's 
a left toe off and a right heel strike or a left toe off and a right mid stance and how that affects our training. And so when we start to take a look at exercises and assessment from this lens, we can really create this categorization, I should say, so that we have now this bank of exercises that we can apply from assessment to exercise. So gait's a great way to start to first zoom out and understand how our assessment could apply to certain biomechanics. And not only biomechanics, but each phase of gait, as I mentioned, is either absorbing force or producing force. So now we get that physiological um, and neurological parameters in there as well. We can start to play around with, am I going to emphasize more of an eccentric or lowering phase? So am I gonna slow them down as they descend into a movement? Or am I gonna slow them down as they ascend? Or am I just gonna make them go fast in both? Maybe I'm adding a non-counter movement or counter movement um, jump or whatever type of plyometric exercise. But right, so all of these different categorizations can now come into play based on this model. And I'm not trying to pigeonhole everything into gait. As I said, I've got six or five other principles that I play around with as well. And when it comes to programming, I've got other principles that I also incorporate. But what I wanna to start to do is have this hierarchy in terms of what is the most important principles and work my way down. How can I have this 30,000 foot view of movement and of exercise and of assessment that I can start to apply all these different concepts so that when you read a textbook and you start to look at the osteokinematics, you start to look at how the hip moves or the specific muscle and how that works. When we start to look at those specific things. We now can apply it to this functional model versus what how they explain in textbooks of how muscles and biomechanics and joints move is they look at it from a cadaver study. They look at it from this dead guy anatomy. So when we're looking at it from that perspective, it's very hard to extrapolate the information with what we're seeing with somebody who's on their feet and moving. Because when somebody's feet are on the ground, the anatomy changes drastically. The way that muscles functions, the way that joints move, the way that the nervous system behaves, the way that stiffness and stretch shortening cycle, all these different integrations and all these different variables now have a totally different function. And we have a total different perspective on how we can use them. And so having a model like breathing and like gait provide us with different ways to view movement and exercise selection. So I hope this perspective helps a little bit. Uh, it's hard to, you know, really provide examples, of course, without being able to see certain movements and break down certain movements, but I hope this provides you with a different perspective on how we can view movement and more importantly, how, how we can categorize our assessment and exercises to become that much more specific. Our goal always should be to be like a sniper when it comes to exercises. Every exercise has the we have the ability to justify every single exercise in our program and 
have a specific sequence of exercise to reverse engineer why somebody may be presenting in a certain way. Why is their posture in a specific position? Why is their left shoulder retracted? How did it get there? What came first? If we can start to reverse engineer these things, we can start to select specific exercises like a sniper so that we can start to not only improve fitness or strength, but also improve mobility and movement variability and posture and all these different things that help improve health and adaptability of the body.